0: Helping Families Be Happy. Welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family love and relationships. I am your host, Dr. Carla Marie Manley, a practicing clinical psychologist, wellness advocate, and author based in Sonoma County, California. I've teamed up with Familius Publishing to bring you nourishing real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. And now, I am thrilled to introduce today's guest, Maggie Stevens, who will be talking with us about her wonderful book, The Parent Fix. Welcome to the podcast, Maggie. Hi, Carla. It's so nice to actually get to talk with you. I am so excited because your book, The Parent Fix, is a fabulous read and something that most, if not all, parents would just love to have in their um, arsenal. Tell me a little bit about what drew you to write The Parent Fix. I actually started making notes and writing as I was in the
1: thick of raising my own children. and. I would write down theories that worked and things maybe that didn't work quite so much. I, I watched parents as they were parenting and those that had success with their kids, I took special note of that and it, it, I found that there are certain things that really do work with parenting. Certain things, you know, we all are unique and we all have our own style. And I truly believe that you are the best parent for the kids you are given. Um, But I found that there were a few things in every home that actually makes for better parenting and better, better
0: kid raising. So can you tell me and listeners what your top strategies are. I know that they'll need to read the book to get the full weight of them, but can you tell me maybe your top three, top five points for parents? I sure can. And
1: I I think labeling them as these simple things makes it so much easier for parents because we're all given so much advice on what to do and how to do it. Uh, The very first thing that I think every parent needs to know is that their home must become a safe haven. Their home has to be a safe environment for their kids to come into. Because when your children are out in the world at school, at work, whatever it is they're doing, hanging out with their friends, you cannot control the environment. You have no control over what they will be introduced to, the people they will be hanging out with. The teachers you really do not have control nor do you want control because this is how they learn but the minute they walk in that door of your home they should feel safe um, you sh- they should be able to have open dialogue and talk and know that the parents in that home are
0: going to love them unconditionally Okay, so home must be a safe haven where love is unconditional. So that's your first top tip. I love it. It makes perfect sense. And it's not always easy to do,
1: as most parents find out, because, you know, things get upsetting. Parents have emotional days and good and bad things. But I think you just have to kind of push that out the door and know that your child is the number one thing in your home that day.
0: And so I can just imagine some moms and dads listening and thinking, oh, that's easy to say, but when I come home from work and I'm so exhausted and I have dinner to make and homework to help with and this and that, or I've been working at home all day and now I have dinner and homework to help with, what would you say to parents, a tip for how to love unconditionally and create that safe haven when the parent might be feeling incredibly stressed and exhausted Maggie
1: and I I think it's important for the child to know that the parent gets stressed and exhausted and I think if that's if that's the role or the thing that's going on in your life that day it's important to say to your child and let them know I have had a bad day Mm. you know here I am I'm sorry I'm not gonna be that good for you today that's okay that's real life kids know that they understand that but if you don't say that or you don't address that issue, the child's going to take it upon themselves that either they are the cause or they are not loved or I, I'm very big on an open environment of everyone saying, listen to what happened to me today. And so they have an idea where you're coming from. And it also takes the pressure off of the parent. It, 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 it's freeing to be able to talk about what's going on. Be able to, not that you dump all your problems on your child, but you have to let them know. And I think it's important for parents to know that with this safe haven, they're going to fail (laughs) over and over again. And keep that in mind because no parent is perfect. And if you try to be the parent perfect, you're going, perfect parent, you will fail. But I think you do have to set up a plan if, if, um, if maybe your biggest problem in your family right at the moment is there's a high level of yelling and and you need to bring down that level of yelling so so you just make a goal that day to say okay today or maybe it's for this 5 minutes i will not yell or get upset at my child and you practice and you practice until you you know maybe all day you've gotten that so so plan on knowing that this safe haven doesn't just exist and parents don't walk around with this fake smile on their face all the time it's something you have to work at and after you start seeing how the atmosphere in your home changes because you as the parent have made an effort and you and the parent as the parent have changed the success is so incredible it literally motivates you as a parent you know, to maybe move on to the next step of of how you're going to make this home a positive environment. And in the book, I list ways and things that you can do in each home to make that a positive environment. There's an entire chapter on creating a safe
0: haven. So it does take time. And that sounds absolutely perfect because what you're saying, if I'm hearing you right, is that It's okay to be imperfect. It's important to be genuine with your child about your imperfections, about your stress, about your feelings, without taking it out on the child. Perfect. That's
1: just the perfect way to say it. Thank you, Carla.
0: Well, I just love that you give such thorough explanations. And then we can distill it to, you know, these key pieces of we are human as parents. And so even if there is that inclination to be perfect, you're saying, you know, realize that we're all imperfect, but we still don't want to dump on the kids. And we still don't want to, I want to give people or children the impression that we need to be super mom or super dad because we can't be. Did I get that right? got it perfect
1: and and trying to live a super mom or super dad life just ends up creating anxiety so nobody wants that in their child or in themselves
0: and absolutely and do you see what would you say in families today that you're looking at in your book the parent fix what what is it that you see most of that causes stress for families is it Anxiety, is it depression? Is it external stressors? Is it childhood habits that are carried, you know, intergenerational transmission into the new family? What do you I know that's a lot to throw at you. What do you think about that?
1: Well, I I think it's I think it's all of the above, but I think those come out when we're not living a genuine life, when we try to do too much, when we try to be the perfect family that You know, our kids are good, they're good at school, they're good at sports, they're student body presidents. Um, I think we have to realize that putting not realistic ideals upon ourselves and then that translates onto our children causes anxiety, it causes depression, It, it causes all of those things you mentioned because we're not being true to ourselves or to our children. And that's, that's almost key to the safe haven, is that when you walk in that door, you are who you are. And you don't have to put on airs, you don't have to, you don't have to act like you passed that test with an A at school, you, you know, you own it, you come in and you say, oh, I blew it today, or this happened today. I mean, I'm, I'm a big advocate of parents trying to be home when their kids walk in the door from school because it seems like you get everything within that first 15 minutes to 30 minutes of their day. And then it could be gone. So so it's really important that when you're there with your kids at that time, you listen. You listen and you listen good and help them make sense of, of their day.
0: And so Maggie, for parents who can't be there when their kids come home from school, who might not get, might work a swing shift or might not get home from work until, you know, seven or eight at night, have they missed their opportunity or can they create that in another way?
1: They, they can create it. Um, I think it's best to be there. I know that's not possible. Sometimes, I mean, thank goodness with technology, you can get a lot out of FaceTime. You know, if you can find some place you can get on your phone or call your child so that you can see their face. I mean, because looking at them gives you so much information about what's Mm. happening that day. So so maybe even in the evening, even late at night, you know, kids, (laughs) unfortunately for parents, kids come to life at nine or 10 o'clock at night. And that you may be able to make it work with your
0: child, but that's when you get information. Okay, so watching for those little spaces—if you can't be there when the child gets home from school, maybe over dinner, maybe during FaceTime, maybe as they're, you know, getting ready for bed, or you're getting ready for bed—hang out with them.
1: That's perfect. I had a psychologist once tell me when I was raising my children that every child needs at least 15 minutes to 30 minutes a day of your undivided attention, Mm -hmm. which at first might seem overwhelming, but when you actually start doing that, um, it, it really becomes some of the most rewarding hours of the day when you and your child actually spend that time together.
0: Mm, And I can even see that happening for the busy parent while dinner's being made or dishes are being washed or as you're eating, you know, sounds like it's something that parents can fit in so that... Again, going back to what you said, we are often doing too much. We have these unrealistic expectations and ideals, and that does create the stress and the anxiety. So maybe it sounds like you're advocating turning down the volume on maybe some expectations and so that things can be a little calmer in the home environment.
1: That's so true. In fact, I have a a book or a chapter in the book on just taking time with family, because so often we feel guilty when we just spend time having fun together. And and that's actually one of the very best things, which is actually the second thing I would bring up after the safe haven is building relationships with your child, is actually taking that time to spend together. Um, I've had... I had a daughter and four sons and my daughter talked nonstop as did one of my sons. So I never questioned where they were at, but there's always going to be that child who doesn't talk, who tries to process it in their mind on their own, which is fine, but you can't really get in there and help them unless you know what's going on. So with one son, it was amazing when I would take him out somewhere to get food. The food, when he would start eating, all of a sudden he would start talking. So these are just little individual ideas of things you can do with your kids when you can get them talking, when you can find out more about what's going on in their lives. It might be with the daughter taking her shopping or you know, to a movie or something, but something that gets them in that space, that helps you build a relationship and helps you know what's going on in their lives which can help you to ward off the depression the anxiety you know that's when you get the clues as a parent of okay i need to help out in maybe in this situation
0: does that make sense it makes perfect sense because again it goes back to that that piece of when you spend one on one time with a child with a loved one you're making that space for for thoughts feelings to come up rather than being so rushed to get this done that done that you miss really getting to know what your child is experiencing on a day-to-day basis that's so true ah oh. maybe the
1: third thing that leads us right into behavior understanding your child's behavior because we can create the safe haven and we can build the relationship. But as a parent, you kind of have to understand the behaviors your child is exhibiting. Like, um, like it's kind of like when a baby is hungry. It's easy with babies. Well, I shouldn't say easy. <laughs> with baby, the behavior is so much easier to comprehend. If they're crying, you know, they either need to be fed, go to sleep, or change the diaper. It's so much easier with that but do you understand when your child acts out as a junior high teen or or when they um, maybe go quiet as a teenager? Can you understand the behavior that your child is exhibiting so that you know how to help them? That's the third step. And I'm sure as a psychologist,
0: Carla, you, you probably help people figure this out, don't you? Well, it's a beautiful piece that you're bringing up, and absolutely, it is one of the things. And I think your your book, you know, points people in that direction in many chapters. And again, the work, whether you're a, a parent or a psychologist, the work is to be able to um, improve a child's ability to notice their emotions regulate their emotions and then understand the behaviors that are resulting from that and i really love how in your book you you give people the opportunity to really explore pieces of that and there's a couple passages one I want to read it says model the behavior you want and when you see your child exhibiting the behavior name it to your child I appreciate you telling me the truth repeat this process again and again help your child do the things you want them to do show them do not criticize compliment them when you see them modeling this behavior and i thought that was that's from page 71 i thought that was just such a nugget of wisdom so much in those few sentences about noticing the child's behavior appreciating it when they're doing something positive and avoiding criticism i think i mean i think the natural
1: reaction when a child exhibits maybe not stellar behavior is as a parent, you think, oh, I've got to control this. I've got to discipline that. And instead, I noticed with my children that the best thing I could do is think, now, why is that behavior occurring? One, one of my sons colored all over his walls with marker that doesn't come off. And I remember- Oh dear. I looked at that, and thank goodness he wasn't in the room with me at the time, but I looked at it and I had to sit down and gather my thoughts and think, okay, I know better. And I realized this child was, and always has been, a very creative child. And that, instead of yelling at him, I got him a huge sheet of paper that he could reuse over and over where he could create whatever he wanted all over on the wall, a mural on the wall. It solved the problem. I mean, we did have a discussion. I'm not saying that you don't ever talk to them about behavior that's not good, but we did have a discussion about you don't do this on the walls, but here's where you can show your creativity. And then I made sure he had other ways to express his his creative side in other areas. And it's amazing to me that when you figure out, and it may take a few times working with this, when you figure out that need of your child bad behavior disappears and they're directed into um i don't want to just say good behavior but discovering their needs or their talents and it's it's kind of a a process to work with your child the whole way you're parenting through their entire life to help them find out what they're good at Mm -hmm. Where they can excel. And, you know, most kids don't realize, I mean, even as adults, we don't realize when something's so easy for us that it's not easy for somebody else or that that may be a talent that we need to hone in on to focus on later on in our life, in our school years.
0: I love that story about, you know, the writing on the, literally the the writing on the wall and how that's such a beautiful metaphor for understanding the child's behaviors. So I thank you for those three and so three top points and so much more. Are there any other, as we draw our time together to a conclusion, are there any other key ideas you want readers to take away from your book? There
1: is one chapter, um, it was difficult for me to write, but I felt that it needed to be in there and it's a chapter on control. And I, I think I think that it's so commonplace with our parenting that sometimes we don't even realize that we're doing it. It's, it's, control can end up being a form of manipulation or even considered dom- domination on a child. And so you have to be careful as a parent, to step back um, and find possible options or solutions to not try and control your child so much that they feel like they have to fight for any freedoms they get. It it's really difficult between creating good behavior and using control to con- to control your children. So that one that one that chapter especially I've. I, I've just seen so many kids that when they are rebelling against their parents and the values that their parents may have tried to teach them comes because there's too much force or control put on them by a parent, which destroys the relationship, destroys the safe haven, and, and just ends up for sadness in the, the relationship between parent and child.
0: And that makes so much sense because some parents default to being overly controlling and think that it's the best thing for the child, whereas to be really discriminating and take the time, which, again, is often a time thing of slowing down to figure out how can I get the child to grow up strong and free and aware with the least amount of control, you know, <laughs> uh, as, as possible. And some people just default to being either overly controlling or not controlling at all. And, you know, so you're, you're really advocating that middle ground, which I think is amazing. So thank you for bringing that up. And I know listeners will absolutely love your book. And again, it's the parent fix. Oh, and I have to offer one more brilliant quote from Maggie. Um, I just love this. It is when parents change kids change. That is one of Maggie's favorite quotes. And I so love that quote. So simple, so true. And I thank you for being with me today, Maggie. What a joy it's been. Could you please tell me where our guests can find you? Okay, we have a website
1: that's www.parentfix.com. And Facebook page is Parent Fix. Just Parent Fix. You just go to that and it'll pull you up on Facebook but that's about it and I answer as many of the questions as I can get I love parenting questions I love trying to help parents figure it out there's nothing more rewarding for me so don't hesitate contacting me there's a place on the website or a Facebook page where you can contact me directly
0: perfect and so this is Maggie Stevens M-A-G-G-I-E Stevens, S-T-E-V-E-N-S, who has been with us today. As we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familius Publishing for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. Would be thrilled if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes and social media. If you'd like more wonderful Familius content, be sure to visit us at Familius.com, where you will find our Habit Hub blog, as well as a spectacular selection of books for families. One step at a time, we can make the world a happier place. Thank you for sharing your time with me, Dr. Carla Marie Manley. It's been a joy and a true pleasure. Be well and shine as only you can do. We talk together, learn together, play, work, eat together. We laugh together, heal together, and we love forever when we read.